Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. I am so excited that you're here, and I'm also really excited because we are bringing on a very special guest today. Today's guest is my friend, Brooke Taylor. Now, personally, I would describe Brooke as being wildly witty, especially in her writing. Seriously, if you guys do not subscribe to her email list or follow her on social media, you have to. She has me cracking up all the time and in my feels all at the same time. She's also a powerful creative. She has an adventurous spirit and is just about as resilient as they come. Brooke says that in her current season, she is prioritizing her God-given talents as a communicator to impact the lives of small business owners while mixing up the way she operates her business to spend as much time with her family as possible. She's currently, knock on wood, living in the light of the tunnel after a season of taking on breast cancer. And in a short moment, we'll be joined by the one and only Brooke Taylor to share her story. Hello there, beautiful friend. I'm your host, Kaya, a cattle rancher turned accidental life coach after embarking on my own health journey, losing over 100 pounds, but most importantly, rebuilding my relationship with myself. Now I am more on fire than ever to empower others to create a healthy life that they love from the inside out by sharing the tools, tips, and strategies that I've learned and continue to learn along the way mindset, health, body image, self-love, entrepreneurship, and more. We're here to chat about climbing the mountains of life all while finding joy in the journey. Welcome to the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. Now let's get climbing. Welcome to the show, Brooke. I'm so excited to have you. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. It feels like two seconds ago, we were doing an Instagram live pre-podcast season, and I love that you made it official. Heck yes. I was thinking about that the other day too. I actually pulled up some of the notes and questions I had asked you on our Instagram live. And I was like, this needs to be captured in the podcast for sure. Okay. Before I jump in and have you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about who you are, can I confess something to you? Please. (laughs) So back in the day, like for, I don't know how many years ago when I was working in Kentucky for the beef council, I had the biggest girl boss crush on you. Like the biggest, I did. I promise you. (laughs) I promise you. So I had, I guess, first discovered you or found you on social media on, on the gram uh, because of our mutual friend. I think it was Danielle Hayden or Mm -hmm. Jake Jankowski or one of those, one of those friends. And I, found you on social media. I started following you. And I, at the time, was in my nine to five. And while I loved the work I was doing, I was definitely being pulled in the direction of wanting to be my own boss one day. And I was just so inspired by what you were doing. I was like, she is doing her own thing. She gets to be like this creative director and still work with all these agricultural brands, but travel the world and just really do the things that light her up. I'm like, that is amazing. I would love to do that one day. So I used to just like live vicariously through you thinking that would be so cool if I could have a job like Brooke does. And straight up, following you was a huge, huge inspiration for me taking my first leap into entrepreneurship, which really started with that creative marketing for ag businesses. So I just feel like you need to know that, that I was like, I had the hugest girl boss crush on you. Isn't it wild how things that you don't even understand or know that are happening or happening behind the scenes. And for on the flip side, when you made the transition from the creative to Coach Kaya, you have no idea how that inspired me on the flip side to say, wait a second, I don't have to keep doing things the way that I've been doing. I could just throw up all the marbles and see what happens, which is a lot of what I've been working on in this past season. 
Ooh, okay. I I love that. And I can't wait to talk more about what you've got up your sleeve and the things you're working on. Sure. But gosh, it is so true. And I think it's we can get we get so in our own lanes and doing our own thing. And I don't think that we ever understand the ripple effect that what living our own truth does for other people, like giving them permission to do the same. And so thank you for inspiring me. And I am so honored that I could also help inspire you in this season. Okay. So I know I gave like a very brief introduction, but for people that have no idea who Brooke Taylor is, haven't met you, aren't following you yet until now, obviously, who is Brooke Taylor? How would you describe yourself? If there is one thing about me that I am the most proud of, it is the way that I tackle things that scare me to my core. I, for example, I learned I was scared of heights at the top of the Eiffel Tower. It like I didn't even know. Like I had no idea what that sensation was. I'd never been scared that way before. So the next year I jumped out of an airplane. You're like, cool, that was scary. I'm gonna do it again. Yeah, I'm gonna face it and then I can't be scared anymore if it just if I live through it, if I face it. And that's really the way that I just operate in life. Owning a business, scary. Okay, I'll do it. Launching an online store, terrified. Did it anyway. Getting a breast cancer diagnosis and a baby on the same day. Whew, okay. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. We're just going to do this. And not only we're going to do this, I am going to make myself the mayor of every medical facility I walk in. And I'm going to make sure everyone is having a good time, even if my cells are not. And they were not. They were not having a good time. But that outlook, I definitely think it 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 really affected the way that I've walked this past almost three years. So that's what I'm most proud of. Okay. There are so many questions that I have <laughs> Hit me. now from that, Hit from that me. short introduction. Okay. I'm trying to, I'm trying to decide where I need to start first. Okay. I think the first thing we need to start with, because I can't, we can't just brush over this casual sure. um, conversation for those that are maybe hearing this for the first time. You know, when I was putting together, like, what do I want to talk to Brooke about today? Part of me was like, my first question for you, I guess, is do you, how does it feel? Do you ever feel like you're the cancer girl? Like that's what people know you for. Because I, when I was putting together questions, I want to talk about this, but I was like, I, should I, should that be the first thing I jump into? Cause it's a part of her story, but she's so much more than just that experience. So I guess that's my first question before we dive into telling more of that story. I think that's a really fair question. And honestly, the first time anyone has ever asked. Thank really? you. Mm-hmm. I did a lot of uh, diving into this topic with a coach over the past year. And here's what I can tell you from the raw, transparent honesty in my core. And that is, it crushed me when people only saw me as the cancer girl, Mm. because only a year before I was traveling Europe, I was producing video production shoots all over the country. I have international businesses. I have a Hallmark wedding. I have a baby and people they just loved that I was the cancer girl. And those people who found my story and started following because of coverage with Good Morning America or wherever, that's all they knew. And so what was really wild was to take my story back. And through social media, it was a lot harder than I thought, which really gave me some big care bears. Honestly, that's probably the most frustrated I've ever been with saying, why do I have to take my story back when this is who I was the whole time? And so I have decided I'm I am both. I am mm. the girl who lives at the light at the end of the tunnel because I would have given anything to find that woman when I was diagnosed to see someone who was openly still sharing 
what it's like to live in the aftermath of just destruction, physically, mentally, emotionally, but also just living. And there's so much weight to the second act after cancer. You must do something big. You must really capitalize on the on the gift of living. And honestly, just living is enough. Oh, gosh, that is so deep. I'm seriously sitting over here with, with goosebumps. Um, it has taken me a while to come to this conclusion. And honestly, we know that there are so many blessings to social media. There are also some hardships when it comes to the people who are part of your community, the way they comment, the direct messages that they send. And there are some people who honestly really wanted me today. They wish I was still bald and struggling and going through chemo because that's the story they wanted. When really the whole point of cheering for someone is that they are in the light at the end of the tunnel. That's the best case scenario. That's what we want. We should celebrate that. And so I'm going to celebrate it for everyone. I love that, Brooke. And that is so powerful. And I just appreciate your raw, honest, and vulnerable share with that as you're, chill, as you're still trying to navigate that season for yourself. Um, gosh, I feel that so much. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for that response and that perspective, because I think that it's so easy for us to like make assumptions about this is who she is, right? But we're so much more. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, I do feel like we need to give people that are new to this some context. If you're sure. open to sharing Let's that story talk about it. the millionth Absolutely. Time. Okay. okay so I think it would be important to know that I was a first time heifer. So <laughs> you've uh, okay, never wait, So for our non-ag people. <laughs> first baby. So first baby. I have never been pregnant before. It's like anything the first time you do it. You have no idea what to expect. You don't know what's normal. You don't know what's not normal. Um, I was really hard on my pregnant body from I was still working, um, 17-hour video shoot days. I'm traveling all over the state of Oklahoma. I am I'm just really rough on what I'm doing because nothing was going to stop me serving my clients, et cetera. So when I was tired or achy, I didn't notice any, any things. But however, throughout my pregnancy, I did bring up that uh, something felt a little weird. I was told it was nothing to worry about. That's just what breasts look like when they change. You know, you're preparing to feed a child, a whole human. What's crazy is I'm a really private person. Um, never someone to show off the girls or the cleavage. But I like, I guess I didn't realize until recently how many people I made feel my boob and be like, is this normal? My best friend probably, oh, I can't even imagine how many times. And everyone agreed that, <laughs> oh yeah, I think that's just, that's just what happening. So you trust the system. Um, at my 38 week appointment, large and in charge wearing like the only clothes that still fit at that point, which was an oversized t-shirt and some weird jeans, you know, jean shorts, I took off my shirt like it was Monday night at a place you shouldn't be, right? Like I'm just (laughs) stripping down to to nothing. And I said, I'm not leaving this room until you feel this. And that medical professional looked at me like I was wildly insane. She, She did. She agreed. She felt that And I watched the color just drain from her face. And she said, I'll be right back. Oh, gosh. Uh, Oh, so she just left. She came back and she said, hey, there's this office that's going to call you. Let's just get an ultrasound just to be safe. Um, If you don't hear from them in a week, you know, just let us know. Okay, that was a Thursday. 
Within 15 minutes, that office called and went down a whole list of questions, which you probably shouldn't ask someone over the phone. Is it red? Is it hot? Is it stuff coming out from places it shouldn't be coming out from? I saw them the very next morning at 10 a.m. My best friend met me. We waddled into the office. And what I now know is it is probably not typical to have an ultrasound lead biopsy the same day you meet a breast health specialist. I was wildly in shock, if we're being honest, but ultimately optimistic. So I had an ultrasound, I had a a biopsy, and then he also had me spit in a tube because he said, oh, we should just, you know, check your DNA just to be safe. Also, he had the greatest poker face in the world because what he was actually doing, he already knew, and he was collecting all the information that he needed to expedite the process. But he said, hey, it'll be fine. Go have a great weekend. Decorate your nursery. I'll call you on Monday. He expedited those tests. Those tests never turn around that quickly, but he called me on Monday morning at eight o'clock. And he said, hey, kiddo, it's cancer. And this is... Um, a multiple, I'm two and a half years removed and this still wrecks me every time. Um, my husband stayed home that morning, you know, just in case. And mm-hmm. at that time we didn't know anything, just that I am about to bring a child into the world and I have cancer. And so we live about an hour and a half away from the, um, the baby doctor. So we start heading into town because they, I was told they wanted to have a meeting on the way to town, Tulsa. I got a call that said, look, let only just meet me at the hospital. Let's just, let's just have a baby today. And so, um, what I know now that I did not know then, and, and it's okay if no one knows this information, because why would you, unless you need to, um, cancer is kind of like saying sports. And then within sports, there's, let's say football. And then within Mm -hmm. football, you have D1 college, different levels of college, high school, private school, et cetera. Well, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. The type was triple negative, which is affects a very small portion. It means it was not driven at all by hormones. Mm-hmm. And then below that, it's, it's categorized based on where it starts, um, how far it's spread, et cetera. But what I do know is triple negative is the most aggressive type of breast cancer that you can get, which is not great when you're holding a newborn baby. So I was given a week to just really focus on being a mom and hindsight. I think my doctors knew that that might be my only chance to just be a mom. I went through the entire breast cancer buffet, which means anything you've heard of for breast cancer, I've had it. And I got a few staph infections along the way, a couple cases of the shingles. I went through radiation right as COVID hit. Um, which is definitely terrifying when they say, if you skip a day of radiation, you won't get to the percentage that you need to get. So don't stop at the gas station, even though you're going to have to fill up, you know, every day or every other day, depending how, you know, how far you're driving. Um, my radiologist had actually had, we had a session on how to get in and out of my car safely, like surgery room protocol. He said, you cannot get sick. You cannot get COVID. If you get COVID, you can't come in the building and we can't make sure that you'll be healthy. And it's been two and a half years. Um, I'm about to cross the two-year mark since I heard the words complete response to chemo. And I can't even tell you the weight and relief simultaneously that that feels, but I am here. And 
every single day is filled with joy, a little bit of PTSD, <laughs> and a lot of just like, God, what in the world just happened? Gosh, man. I mean, what a whirlwind. I Every time I hear your story, and I've heard it you know, many times now, I, I always get emotional because it's just like I'm trying to put myself in your shoes. Like you found out you were having a baby and a breast cancer on the very same day. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like what's what's really – I think what's hard for me to wrap my mind around is like how do you make space for so much fear – and terror, and joy all at once. I hope you never have to know, (laughs) honestly. Honestly, I hope no one has to know that. It just happens. I think our bodies are built in a way that give us this protection of shock Mm -hmm. that allows us to slow time down for a minute as we mentally prepare for the shock to wear off. And that is the only way to describe those first few days. Yeah. It's like shock is actually the, one of the greatest blessings that you had that week. 100%. And what is wild, so we, I had a C-section. I was given the opportunity to choose to induce. I was like a 0% anything. So to get that party started would have taken, I'm told, a while. And so given the information I had, given – I just, I just needed it. We needed to go. So I elected to have a C-section. I left the hospital a day early. They said, if you can meet these criteria, you can leave. And I said, bet, uh, look, we're getting out of here. I'm not spending my week at the hospital. Um, I feel like I have enough doctor's visits in my future. Um, and I think shock actually helped that part too. Yeah. So Brooke, what was um, that week? Your doctor gave you a week before you started doing treatment. Um, yes. Your cancer. What was that first week of motherhood like for you? My goodness. I was filled with so much joy and worry and planning and strategy. It's really hard to explain. So from a career standpoint, one of my best assets is the ability to strategize and logistics coordinate any project or event. And I felt like that week was doing that. And on one side, it was, okay, how am I going to tackle doctor's appointments? Who's going to feed my family? Am I going to be able to drive? All of those logistics. And then also, have you ever planned for a vacation? I know you have. So the planning of a vacation comes down to you're packing and you're planning who's going to take care of the dogs, who's going to do this, who's going to get the groceries, who's going to water my flowers, whatever it is. I don't believe I've ever stopped planning since that day, because I'm always planning who's going to teach Elsie what a tampon is if I'm not here. I know that's Mm. pretty brutal, but like, that's what I was thinking day one. Who is going to be the person who ensures that Elsie doesn't leave her mom on a pedestal because the whole world is going to only talk about happy, positive, funny things that I did. And no one's going to tell her all the stupid, dumb mistakes that I did to give her like a, a healthy sense of who I am as a human. And that's what that week really was about. It was like, how can I best mom with the limited amount of time that I have? And I know that that maybe seems pessimistic. It wasn't. It was just realistic. Like, how can I be the best possible parent for this tiny person? That was a weird week. <laughs> I'm, I, I honestly, I can't imagine because I feel like it's, I like, I've never had a child in general, but like, I feel like having a kid, just a kid without a cancer 
is a weird experience and like mm-hmm. a wild experience. But I think what's so interesting hearing your story is you weren't just, because I feel like when you first have a kid, it's like, okay, my job is just to get through the day. I'm just trying to get through the day. I'm just trying to like keep this baby alive, keep mm-hmm. myself alive. Like I'm just going to get through the day and savor this moment. And you were trying to do that, but you were also like, okay, I don't know if I have very many days. We don't know what to expect. So like, how can I be the best mom with this newborn, but assuming that that I might not be here to be with her through the rest of her life? Like, what what a weight. So I've never told anyone this story publicly. I think I've told my best friend, Stephanie, this story, but there was a moment and it was probably three or four weeks in. So I was I started chemo at three weeks. I was bald. I was still trusted by my family to stay at home while working and taking care of my child by myself at this point. The cumulative chemo hadn't really caught up with me yet. And I remember holding Elsie and thinking, it might be better for you if you don't get attached to me. And I meant that from not what's best for me at all. Um, But it will be easier for you if you can't miss me because you don't know me. So I remember thinking, what if we bring in a nanny or there's someone else who spends more time with her because that would make the transition easier. And that's when I realized that, man, I'm a mom. (laughs) Like, unless you're thinking through this perspective, like, this is what it means to be a mom. This is the heaviness of motherhood. Oh, to like have someone else in your life that you care about so much that you'll sacrifice everything of yourself for them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Oh gosh, Brooke, I'm like tearing up over here. Don't mind me just blubbering. (laughs) So there was this, so the way that chemo works, first of all, chemo is not like in the movies. They're saying I did lose weight on the first round of chemo, but then I got a set a different type of chemo. Um, that I was blessed to get because it's specific to those who are carriers of the BRCA gene mutation. It targets that better. It also, I have never felt anything like that in my life. Um, I felt every, I felt my, my cells vibrating and I, it's one of those things you can't explain it unless you feel it. And then one of the chemotherapies gave me neuropathy where it, it kind of, it made its way up past one of my ankles and my oncologist was like, oh, we're going to stop this one. We can't do that. I was like, no, we're not. We're absolutely not. I know you're the professional here, but why would we stop chemo? And he said, oh, the feeling in your foot. And I was like, oh, how do you know that it's working? Because I haven't had surgery to do the all of the stuff. And I remember thinking, there is nothing I won't do to be here. So if it's more of this, that's fine. Like poison me more, hit me up. Give me the top shelf stuff. Let's have a party. And (laughs) I mean, it wasn't a party. It felt like it some days. It felt like for those listeners, if you want to know what chemo feels like, go on like a seven-day bender of every cheap alcohol that you can find that's like overly sugary, like the bad stuff, like the stuff that doesn't sit well and just like drink for like, (laughs) yeah, like 17 hours straight for like multiple days in a row. And then also no water to recover. It's kind of what like a, a chemo hangover feels like for some people. So not a great time, but it worked. Knock on wood. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, so many questions. 
Yes. Number one. Okay. So obviously there is like, I mean, emotional overload, I can imagine, right? Um, But you also are like trying to keep it together because you're also like this mom and you have logistics and you're also still within this, you're not just a mom, you're not just a woman with cancer, but you're still Brooke, like the extremely adventurous, creative, (laughs) career-driven person. Um, So how did you, I guess my first question before we jump into that is, you mentioned when you first introduced yourself that you are someone who like believes so strongly in doing the things that scare you. And you yes. you felt that way long before you were delivered like this probably one of the scariest, I hope the scariest thing you ever have to endure in your life. How do you think that that like natural ability that you have to do things that scare you helped you? And I guess like how do you if if someone is really debilitated by fear of of all sorts of kind of whatever kind that looks like, like how do you push past that fear? How do you, in the face of that fear, keep showing up and take the next step forward? It's like anything you have to practice. You have to practice one step at a time, one day at a time, one thing that scares you. And eventually you'll learn that like everything, there's a process to fear and there's a process to work through fear. For me, it's the lead up that's actually the scariest. So- I know a few people have discussed this openly, but the concept of jumping out of an airplane, Mm -hmm. what is the scariest is the slow build to get up high enough that you're even able to jump out. But once you jump out, it's actually really freeing. And so for me, what was the scariest part of the entire process was chemo ended December 27th and my surgery date was the beginning of February. And I had this entire slow build up of kind of getting my bearings back together, the chemo working its way out of its system. And surgery day, I had to walk into a hospital, lay down on a surgery table and have an amputation, literally have my breasts removed. For a woman, like for me, I had to work through, so you're just going to cut them off? Like what What do you do with them? Where do they go? <laughs> like just That just sounds, what am I going to look like? And honestly, yeah. they're pretty cute now. Do they look like regular breasts? No, Um, but they're not like they're pretty cute and just like getting through it. That's it. I don't know if that answers your question, but for me, it's just had I not done scarier things before, man, this would have been a really tougher season than it already was. Yeah. I truly believe that if you change your habits, you can change your life. Our life is the result of the habits that we practice daily. Improving your life isn't about making some scary, drastic change overnight. It's about meeting yourself where you're at and making small changes over time that you can actually stick with. But you've got to start small to stay consistent, which is why I put together a free healthy habits checklist to help you do just that. Download my free PDF to set your intentions for what small, healthy habits you are going to start practicing today. There's a place for you to check them off the list and celebrate every single baby step along the way. You can download yours for free at coachkayacommunity.com forward slash healthy dash habits, or you can click the link below. Again, that's coachkayacommunity.com forward slash healthy dash habits, or click the link in the show notes to download yours today for free. Start changing your life, friend, one healthy habit at a time. 
Okay, I have a question. Okay. I've heard mixed mixed perspectives on this phrase, okay? Mm-hmm. There's some people who like to say, everything happens for a reason. Get some out of who, here. <laughs> I knew you were going to have that, that opinion, or I had a feeling. So people that say, people that say, well, everything happens for a reason. What do you have to tell people that have that perspective? I would love to hear your your thoughts. No, right up there are, you're so inspirational. God only gives his biggest challenges to, no, Karen, go smell your essential oils. <laughs> that is not here. Listen, I don't think, I don't think someone sits up in heaven and says that person, give it to them. No, I don't. I don't, I don't think that works that way. And sure. I think there are lessons that we learn that we can take with us and we can apply and use in the future. But sometimes things just are, there isn't a reason it just happens. And if you've gone through tough times in the past, you're not immune from them in the future. If you've had a, an easy life, you're not due for a hard thing. There is no formula. It just is. Oh, okay. I love that perspective. And and I think, you know, you started saying other things that like Karens might say to you. Mm-hmm. And so I would love to hear as someone who has gone through this hard thing, I'm sure you had a lot of different people saying things to you, probably from a really beautiful place. But I'm curious for someone who's maybe walking through that hardship, going through cancer, fighting for their life, you know, and for their daughter, um, what are some things that people should avoid saying? Or how can people actually support someone who is in that hardship? So the compass is really easy. And that is do or say things that are for the person and are not self-serving. Ooh, say more. If you were to tell me that, if you want to relate to me in my story, that's wonderful, but it is never appropriate to tell me about your family member who also had breast cancer and then to immediately chase it with, they died, ever. It is never appropriate to tell someone, oh, you got the easy cancer. Well, I don't see them giving away a chemotherapy for free. So it's not a great time. Yeah. Um, I have permanent damage to some of my tendons from radiation and a mastectomy. Like I, no one's doing that for a fun time. That's not a free mm-hmm. boob job. That is a very expensive amputation that has decent at best reconstruction. They're so cute. Um, <laughs> like if you are excited about having a conversation with your two-year-old who's learning you know, body parts and explaining that mommy doesn't have nipples. Like no one's signing up for that on purpose. (laughs) I promise. Um, what else is really good? Um, okay. There's a split fence on this one. Okay. I would say from the cancer community and I very clearly fall on one side and that is you are such an inspiration. Mm. The alternative is being promoted to heaven. So, I don't know that that is the right thing or the right descriptor to say to someone. Maybe we focus on, you are so strong. You are so Mm. tough. You're doing a great job. This really stinks. And sometimes maybe the best option is just to not say anything at all. Yeah. It's hard, you know, because I think I, and I feel like following people and and hearing, because you, what I love so much about your story 
and what I think is just a testament to who you are as a person, you always say that you show the real, real. Like you want to show the the hard parts. Like you want people to witness what it looks like in the trenches. You, from from my perspective, I feel like what you've done such a beautiful job is telling the truth, like and the ugly parts of the truth. And you've talked about these things before, and you know I think it's helpful hearing from someone who's gone through it because sometimes I think we just think like we'll I have to say something. But sometimes what you might have to say isn't actually as helpful as you want it to be. So um, I really appreciate kind of hearing this perspective of like maybe like the best. And I love that one of the options is saying like this sucks. Like maybe that's actually like validate the, the crappiness that I have to endure right now. Maybe that's the best thing you can do. If you're having a conversation with someone and whatever their trenches are, whether it's grief from losing a loved one whether it's medical, whatever their trenches are, if they invite you to scent and their trenches, if it's cancer specifically, and we're already facing, we don't know what our time span is. If they're giving minutes to you that they might want to be giving to their family or their children, be respectful of their trenches. What are their house rules? So to say, like just sit in the trenches. And also if it's hard for you to sit in their trenches, get out of them. Yeah. Give them space. Mm-hmm. So you had talked about your body has gone <laughs> through a lot, you know, like not only did it go through motherhood, um, which is transformative in itself, but it also went through, I mean, literally months and months of poison and countless surgeries. Yeah. And I want to know, and you talked about too, like your breast reconstruction and talking to your daughter now, and you don't have nipples and like, <laughs> tell me what your journey has been in terms of like your own relationship with your body through all of this? Sure. So I grew up in a family where diet culture was really, it was just normal diet. Someone was always on a diet. So I grew up thinking my body was always less than yeah, just a proxy. Like, well, I, I'm half of you and you're on a diet. So obviously I need to be on a diet too. I spent my whole 20s really re-owning that. Um, working on exercise and eating healthy and all of those things. And I obviously could have done better. But I mean this from a raw, transparent, humble place. The summer before I was pregnant and all of this happened, I was taking thirst trap photos on the beach and <laughs> being like, dang, like, yes, I'm girl. so proud of me. Like, I am cute. Like, I'm a cute <laughs> girl. Like, I am fit. I'm like, I'm not winded walking upstairs. Like, I am cute. And then... I got pregnant and then I, I, I don't, I don't, it would take me a minute to like count the surgeries I have. Like I have port scars and no nipples. And by the way, the, the, the surgery to remove breasts, it's not just like a teeny tiny little situation. Like one of my sides like wraps all the way around to my back. I have incisions in my armpits from when they checked my lymph nodes. I have my C-section scar that gives me a weird little shelf. I have a cut on my leg because I tried to be an adult and went to the dermatologist and found out I had like a little skin cancer spot because I tanned too much in college. And like, this is all in the past year. And my gallbladder quit because like, of course, like what else is happening? Um, I had to, because, uh, because of BRCA and turning 35, I had to have a full hysterectomy and give my ovaries over to the cancer volcano. So now I have no estrogen. I'm literally a golden girl. I like, I just look like a jack-o'-lantern, honestly. Right. And then on top of it, the the last steroid I, or the last chemo came with a lot of steroids. 
like IV mm-hmm. steroids, not like a shot when you go to the doctor and you have like a little bit of whatever. No, like pumped me full of steroids. I looked like Violet from Willy Wonka. And before you're like, nah, girl, you're beautiful. I was beautiful. My body was great. I also looked like Violet from Willy Wonka. Like I was very round and puffy. There wasn't a difference between my jaw and my and my neck. Like mm-hmm. the steroids were real and I'm still dealing with those things. And so for me, the whiplash is being like, I didn't choose these things. Right. And that was a struggle for me too. And I'm, I don't want to be dismissive of any person, but at all, please know that this is just my experience and that it wasn't like I was overeating or eating too much or eating my feet. Like this was just like kind of done to me, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was really hard, but now I have this two and a half year old who is obsessed with getting ready with me in the morning and every morning we're in the bathroom and she's trying to put on my makeup, but like, girl, your skin is like, you're not only two, but you're also a completely different color than I am. Like, this is not going to work for you. <laughs> and I have to choose every day to when I'm changing in front of her to be open and transparent and say, yeah, mom is so brave. Look at these brave scars. And she'll say, oh, mom and boo-boo. And I'm like, yeah, it is because mommy mm-hmm. is so brave. And here's the real, real. Not only am I changing the generational conversation about our bodies, I'm also setting the tone for if the BRCA test doesn't go her way when she's old enough to take the BRCA test, that she won't have the weight of thinking, well, my mom thought her mastectomy was ugly, so I'm going to be ugly too. She'll have 25 years of mom is so brave. And so if that doesn't go in our favor, she'll be so brave too. Oh, Brooke, that is so damn powerful. God, that is powerful. And the BRCA test, um, I don't know if we had mentioned this earlier, but that is the genetic test that is basically what made it so that you are susceptible to your cancer, right? Yeah. So for me, um, cancer comes from a lot of different ways. For me, mine was just genetic. I received a gene mutation. I inherited it from my dad. And basically, it was an 87% chance it was going to rain in my lifetime. Like it was just going to happen. So when Elsie mm-hmm. was less than a year old, that's when I gave my ovaries up um, because they needed statistically, based off all the factors, I had to I had to give them up before 35. And so I had an infant when I knew that she was going to be my only baby that was going to come from these these childbearing hips of mine. So yeah, and so now you know that that is a gen- a gene that you passed on to Elsie. No, we don't know. No, we don't know, we don't know yet. We don't mm-hmm. know because she is two and a lot of science could happen between now and then. And sure, we are sure. not going to find out. She doesn't need to know. She doesn't need to be scared of her body mm-hmm. when her body starts growing parts when she's a teenager. Yeah. So yeah. when she's 18 yeah. and she's older and she's ready to make that decision, um, she will be able to do that on her own. I will encourage her to do it, mm-hmm. but to be offensive, but it's her body, her choice. Um, yeah. By the books, you start being proactive mm-hmm. 10 years before your uh, closest family member was diagnosed. So she has till the ripe age of 21. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Well, I love that you're also empowering her to make that decision for herself. Y'all, it's here. It's finally here. I have officially launched my first ever online store and I am so excited that I just might burst. 
ShopCoachKaya.com is officially live and ready for you to explore. I have put together a collection of goodies to help you find joy in your journey of creating a healthy life that you love. Inside the shop, you're going to find things like water bottles, journals, stickers, graphic tees, jewelry, and so much more. These products are really a reflection of who I am as a person. They're motivational, bright, and a little bit ranchy. And the other exciting thing is that all of these designs were almost exclusively watercolor illustrated by yours truly. It has been so much fun to tap back into my creative side and create these products with you all in mind to share a little bit of joy for you to bring home to yourself. I'd love for you to go and check out the store, but before you do, I want to share a special little discount code for my listeners. If you use the code CLIMB10 at checkout at shopcoachkaya.com, you will receive 10% off your first order. Happy shopping! I want to come back to the conversation about your body. Sure. Hit me. Did you feel like you had to go through a grieving process? I think I still do every day. I think I do every day because now like there's always kind of something. So your older listeners will probably relate to this more, but when you're going through the big change, your Mm -hmm. body starts doing weird stuff and I have weird swelling and like ab situation or lack thereof. That's just, Oh, you're older now. Cause I'm like 74. And Mm -hmm. so mentally, like I'm 35. This is not, this is not something I should be dealing with. So every day it's okay. This is what I have. How can I do it? And while I am brave and strong and I love this body and I put a a good face on, you know, there's a speaking engagement that we'll both be at soon. Mm -hmm. I can't wait. And I'm already thinking through, okay, what am I going to wear? And this new shape Mm -hmm. and this new body that I feel confident in, And that serves me, not me serving it, but I have to relearn an entire new body shape. Totally. And that's, it's weird. I'm sure like you you get it, right? Like it's weird. It's like weird to go shopping and be like, I don't know where to go. I I can't go to that store. That's probably not it. I love that you share, you know, that, that it's, it's a process. And I think too, you know, whether or not you ever become a mom, whether or not you ever have cancer, like it is normal anyways for our bodies to change and evolve. And I think- a lot of us, as we grow and change, like, I feel like we have to grieve our bodies too. And I think it's, how do we make space for like that to be normal while also saying I can grieve the body that I maybe once had, or that I thought I would have while still learning to like fully accept and appreciate the body that I have now. I think there is nothing like the way confidence can make us look. And that's what I'm working on right now. And one of the steps I took recently was I got rid of every maybe or someday, every piece of clothing, every heel that I knew would hurt my new arthritis, like out, get out of my house. I don't want you. I don't need you. And you're just wasting my time and you're giving me sadness and I don't need it. Like I need stuff that every single option in my closet is a hell yes. Hell yeah. And I'm pretty proud of that. I love that. In fact, I've been thinking about doing it. It's in a note on my phone. I've been thinking about wanting to do like a closet clean out workshop with my ladies that are in my community because I think that we all have this, right? We all have the the clothes that are like 
this is like my gold dress. Like I want to lose mm-hmm. enough weight so that I could wear this dress or like your old favorite pair of jeans that you keep in your closet thinking one day I'll get back here. Because the thing is, is that every time you open the closet and you see that gold dress, all it does is make you immediately feel like shit because you can't wear it yeah. right now. Like all it's doing is like really messing up our mental health. And the truth is, is that if you do end up losing weight and your body does change, you can go buy yourself something cute. What you're waiting yeah. to get into might not even be in style then, you 100%. know? 100%. Absolutely. And if you work that hard, you deserve to make it a whole celebration. Let's celebrate and get that piece. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. And I don't know if anybody here watches the show Tidy Up with Marie Kondo on Netflix. I watched it before we moved. It's amazing. But Marie Kondo, when she talks about going through your closet, she like has you pick up every single piece of clothing in your hand and ask, does this spark joy? And if the answer is no, it does not deserve your time, energy, or space. And I think that that is so powerful. So I love that act of confidence that you did for yourself. And it's wild as women, how we have pieces of clothing that have such an emotional tie, positive or negative. One of the things that I did while doing this closet clean out, anything that put me back in that chemo chair Mm. out, like I don't need a single reminder. My job is to live here in the sunlight. And if that overpriced Lululemon hoodie isn't serving me, it's called going on Poshmark. It's out of here. We don't need it. I love that. We can buy a different one in a different color. Heck yes, girl. So Okay. I want to shift gears real quick. I know that I feel like I could talk to you all day long. So I know that Brooke, aside from your cancer story, you're not just this cancer girl, right? You have so much more passion and history and dreams for your life and your future. And I know that you are so driven in your career and like entrepreneurially. So I want to ask you, how has that changed and evolved for you? And what does it look like for you moving forward? What are you really excited about? So historically, I worked for advertising agencies in pretty large cities across the country for really, really big brands. And then I transitioned to basically making that my entire business model, but for myself. And so nothing really changed. But what I have through this new perspective is, of course, I could ride for my own brand. Of course, I can write the book. Of course, I can tell my own story. And of course, I can do a spinoff brand and do something else and I can be my own client and that's the transition I'm working on now. I'll always have maybe a few of my traditional clients because I love agriculture and I love storytelling and I love strategy, but I want to be on a lot more stages. I want to talk to women and encourage them and give them permission that "Ah, stuff is hard, but you're brave. And Mm -hmm. I want to help small businesses with their brand strategy because while I do love my corporate traditional you know, communication clients in ag, there's nothing like working with a small business because it directly impacts their entire lives and their entire community. And that's where I'm at today. I want to throw everything up in the air and do things differently, not because I was trained to do something, but because ultimately I live two and a half hours away from family and my kid is only going to be little once. And I don't want to sit on my computer for 40 hours a week. I want to be able to pick up and go just like I have my entire life. Oh, so good. You know, and I love that you said that, say that because I think that a lot of us, we have this idea of like what success looks like, but I think we need to give ourselves permission to like let that perspective of success change and evolve as we do. And it sounds to me like your version of success, like Brooke's 
Brooke's version of a rich, successful life. Paint me a picture of what that looks like. If my daughter knows that she can have both big, wild dreams and travel the world and not be scared to travel anywhere because it is so approachable, you just have to do it, right? You have to start small, right? Traveling is learned like fear. And that she can also live in a home in her hometown and dig really rich roots with people who love her, that she can be both, that's success for me. And I'm going to do that by showing her. So good. I think what is so powerful about your story, Brooke, is that you, you are just giving women permission that I think we're not good at giving ourselves by being a living, breathing example of what it looks like to like really find your bravery and your courage to face the hard stuff in life and stand back up, to have those wild dreams, to create your own version of success. And that ripple effect, I mean, it's affected me for sure. I wouldn't have been an entrepreneur had it not been for witnessing women like you, you know, own their power. Um, And I just can't wait to see how that ripple effect continues to change the lives of other people too. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for saying that. That honestly validates all of the thoughts and fears that I had when I was going through what I call the bald season of when you're facing a promotion to heaven and you're at the edge, which some we're all going to be there someday. I just happen mm-hmm. to have already done it. You're going to look around and say, what parts of this actually are worth it mm-hmm. and which parts aren't? And I wish I could give that lens to everyone, um, but maybe I can give a little bit of just a little bit of a glimpse. You are. You absolutely are. Okay. So tell me, Brooke, you're a big adventurer. You're a big traveler. So what is the next place you're traveling to or dying to travel to? Okay. So the big trip, I'll tell everyone this one. This is so exciting. I get to fire my oncologist when I hit year five. I get to (gasps) fire him. I get to say, literally, you're fired. Leave. You're fired. And I'm going to fire him and immediately go to the airport, get on a plane, and I'm going to fly back to France and I'm going to go back to that beach, the same beach in Nice, and I'm going to sit there all day long drinking overpriced fruity drinks and being in beautiful clear water. And that is my big trip. That is my carrot. That is my sliding into home base. Ooh, that's epic. I just got the chills. What a freaking beautiful full circle moment. When, when is the five years? When is that? So this is what's hard about cancer. Everyone has a different definition. Mm. It's the day you're diagnosed, the day the chemo's over. There is no dif- definite. Honestly, it's like organic marketing. There's no rules. <laughs> <laughs> and so I've decided for me, I'm going off of when I heard complete response to chemo. So that will be three years in February, three years from February. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited for you. I'm so excited. What an epic, epic trip to have on the horizon. Yes. Okay. My next thing, my next question. So we know where your next big trip is going to be. I know that you're someone who loves to be afraid and show up anyway. So what is the next big project that you're so scared of, but you're doing anyways? I recently launched an entire new brand, or I, co- I co-launched it. 
Um, it's called Brand Camp, the workshop, and it is making branding and strategy for small businesses wildly approachable and efficient for small business budgets. We are launching online courses. We are launching an in-person workshop where through pre-camp coursework, then an in-person workshop, you will arrive and leave with a live website, all of the food that you can eat, (laughs) um, email marketing and social media content. And it's only $5,000. And I don't know if any of your listeners are privy to branding. That's insane. That is insane. So the concept is really about how can we make this happen for the people and businesses we love most. And this concept, man, I would, I'm betting on it. I need it. I really want it. I believe in it so much. And we're also doing some other things that just are helpful to people who want to live in rural America specifically and build businesses. We're launching a membership where you can receive tips every week of something applicable to help move your brand forward at an approachable price point. And I just love it so much. It's taking all of the training that I've spent years doing and all of these clients in various industries and really just refining it for someone who needs it, but also building space that I get to spend more time with my family when it takes off. Mm, so cool. Okay. So the people that are listening, because I know we have a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to this podcast, some aspiring entrepreneurs, where do they find out more about this opportunity? Brandcampworkshop.com. Amazing. And okay, I have to ask you one more question. Yes. You mentioned earlier that you can do anything, right? And I heard you say as an example, you can write the book. Now, personally, I'm a big fan of your writing. So I have to know, do you have a plan for someday writing a book? So the morning that I was diagnosed, the day Elsie was born, we were both in a Facebook group called the Salty Tribe. And that morning I wrote in that group before any phone call that said, I think this is the year I write the book. <laughs> like wild that I thought I had something to write about because now I really have something to write about. <laughs> yeah. But part of the strategy for me of shuffling the way that I operate as a business owner, launching Brands Camp, it is taking back all of the space for all of the creativity that I give all of these big corporate clients because it's really hard to write and be creative if you're giving all your words away to someone else. Totally, totally. And so the strategy is to create ways where I can keep my words for myself. And I want to have the book pretty much written this year. I just need everything. I feel like all the marbles are up in the air right now. So uh, Brands Camp, if you want to plug that again, if you guys want to go over there. Um, I already, listen, I believe in it so much and I believe in this book so much. I let go of some clients to already save space. And that's so hard to do as a business owner. Um, but I'm being, I'm just doing radical bravery. It doesn't make sense. And hopefully it does. But like, what's going to happen? I get cancer tomorrow. Like, come on. Why not? (laughs) Like nothing scares me anymore. Or things still scare me, but you know that you're strong enough to make it through it. Yeah. Oh, so good. So good, Brooke. Well, I I believe in what you're doing and I know that it's going to help so many small business owners and in turn help so many families and so many communities. And I just can't wait to watch how it transforms lives in such a big way. And I can't wait to hold your book in my hand one day. We'll do a book club inside of my community. It'll be wonderful. Um, And in the meantime, outside of Brand Camp, how can people get more 
Brooke Taylor. Where can they find you? How can they connect with you, hear your words, and all the good stuff? You can find me basically everywhere at Rural Gone Urban. And if you want the good stuff, honestly, I save most of the good stuff for my weekly email, which you can subscribe to on ruralgoneurban.com. That's where I really take a minute and pause and I write like I'm writing a book. It's good stuff, y'all. You need to check it out. I feel like in a lot of ways, Brooke, you probably already are writing your book because you already write so much. That's what I tell myself when with all my journal entries. Like, this is just the start of my book, but it's just in a journal right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, Taylor Swift started somewhere too. She just had a notebook. Heck yeah, like in math class. It's fine. We're we're both well on our way. <laughs> yeah. Well, Brooke, I just want to thank you so, so much for sharing your story and sharing your heart with us on the podcast. I know that our community is going to absolutely love it, and I just appreciate you and your friendship, and I cannot wait to hug you in person so, so soon. I'm so excited. Honestly, I said I, I said yes when I learned that you were for sure going to be there. I was like, yeah, for free. Oh Do you want me gosh. to do it for free? I mean, not for we get paid to work, but also for free. I'll go for free. If also like I'm coming, I'm coming. Yeah. Anyways. Um, <laughs> yes, girl. Same. And I just, I, I love that we live in this age where we can all like, I feel like some of my richest connections and friendships are through the internet. And so yeah. many people I have not actually met in person. And so just like this, this year, I feel like I'm finally getting to meet so many of my virtual friends in real life. And it's just, I just can't wait. Like, I hope, I hope you're a hugger because I'm going to hug you if that's okay. <laughs> I'm learning to be a hugger. And so we're, I'm going full on, full cool. on. You're like, I'm afraid of hugging, but I'm going to do it anyways. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I love it. Um, well, Brooke, thank you so much. Um, and y'all go check out her newsletter, check out all the good stuff. And if you are needing some branding support, brandcampworkshop.com, y'all check it out. Thanks so much, Brooke and everyone else. We'll see y'all next week. Wait, before you go, I want to share a bonus that Brooke is throwing in for our Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast listeners. Use the code Kaya, K-I-A-H, for $500 off Basecamp registration, closing this Friday, February 4th. Basecamp Workshop is an in-the-trenches, limited registration, hands-on brand workshop coming up this February 21st to the 25th in Leapers Fork, Tennessee. If you're ready to roll up your sleeves and get to work, you do not want to miss this incredible workshop event. Again, you can use the code Kaya, K-I-A-H, for $500 off Basecamp registration closing this Friday, February 4th. You will not regret this incredible investment for you and your business. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please hit subscribe and leave me a review sharing what you loved most. Come hang out with me on Instagram and Facebook to keep the conversation going as we continue to find joy in the journey. Until next time, I am cheering for you, friend. Keep climbing and we'll chat soon.